With nothing left but worlds left to go in this indoor season, I think we can pretty much call this one a success. Whether it be Melissa Bishop setting a new national record in the indoor eight, or friend of the show Justin Knight getting third in the NCAA three, or countless other memorable moments, it's been a really good indoor season. On today's episode, we'll take a look back at the season that was. We'll chat with Corey Belmore, the Golden Lancer who cleaned up last weekend as well. We'll be joined by Jeff Cosson, who will chat about indoors, marathons, and H2MCs. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. The University of Windsor has a history of greatness in track, specifically the middle distances. Just a quick look at the results from the past couple of decades will prove this time and time and again. One runner who has certainly been a part of that legacy is my next guest. Corey Belmore is the current CIS 600 champion. He's also the silver medalist in the 1000 and was a very important part of the gold medal 4x8 team that wowed everyone in attendance at the champs last weekend. Uh, Corey, first of all, take me back to that 4x8 and what a lot of people have told me is one of the most exciting parts of that CIS championships meet. You get the baton, you're the anchor, Victoria is ahead by a considerable amount. What's going through your head at this point? Yeah, well, uh, Victoria was ahead of us by like quite a bit, so um, it was pretty intimidating. And then not anyone on our team like ran bad or anything. It was just Vic was running really strong up front. So like right before McMacken got the baton, uh, Allman came up to me. He wasn't running because of the injury, but he came up to me and said, uh, Corey, like, you can win this. I, I really think you can. So right before I uh, stepped on the start line, or not with the start line, but the exchange zone, to get the baton, I was really like fired up to to get the baton and try and do that. And then I saw McMack and run a great leg, so I knew we had a two-second gap or so. And then I thought maybe I could get come back and get that, but I knew Resto was a super strong runner, so um, I didn't know exactly when I would catch him in the race. But at the very end, uh, I ended up getting him. But before that, he kept like matching every move I made, so it was a really close race. For sure, for sure. You know, just out of curiosity, did you did you have any point in that race when you said when you had that confidence and you said, "Yep, I'm gonna win this thing"? Uh, it was about I think about 400 in. I almost I think I was right on him, and then I I was starting to feel pretty good. So um, I thought maybe if I had like a, a kick in me, I could uh, pass him. But I kept using my kick to try and get in front of him, so I didn't know how much that would zap out of my legs. But thankfully, at the very end, like I heard my team, and they were all around the corner there, and I just really, really wanted that, so I just grinded to the finish line and tried to dive my head for it as far as I could. So one thing I've noticed, uh, you know, from the results, I've noticed that you guys still have the four by eight record uh, from 2014 for the CIS meet with a, you know, with a blazing 7:27.94. You know, is is that a time that you and the rest of the team were realistically aiming for this past weekend? And, you know, how long do you think that record is going to stand? Uh, we weren't necessarily aiming for a time, a time this weekend. Uh, we were just trying to compete, and, like, we really wanted to win. So, like, we knew we had four strong guys on the team, and uh, we were missing our best guy, like Alex Allman, because he's injured. But, uh, you know, I think that record could go down any year, actually. Uh, there are a few teams that are, like, capable of it, uh, like, due to the credentials they have, but... I think it's about getting into the right race and making sure everyone feels their best on that day too. Well, I mean, that's something that's something that I definitely want to talk about. Uh, I mean, you've mentioned Alex a couple times now. 
What's really been cool about your situation is, is that you've you've always had Alex Ullman, uh, who, for for those who don't know, is another really high caliber mid D guy at West at Windsor, uh, who is fairly well decorated in his own right. Uh, you also have Taylor MacArthur and a bunch of other guys to train with, uh, and have been there pretty much matching up with you year for year. Uh, describe to me your relationship with uh, some of those other mid distance guys. <laughs> My relationship with other mid distance guys is really good. Uh... Like, we all get along, we all laugh a lot, and we're just honestly a big uh, bunch of goose together. <laughs> um, everyone's really accepted in our group, and, like, since we all have similar goals and stuff, it makes our relationship really close. And, like, every day we're at the track, we always push each other. But, like, aside from that, like, everyone's always there if we need it. So it's nice to have, like, teammates that are also, like, close friends. And then uh, this past weekend, one of my former teammates, Jordan Wan, he came down to watch um, yet CI, so it was awesome to have one of my good friends there. For sure, for sure. Uh, Dennis Farrell, uh, a guy who's been known in track circles for years, but you know has really come to the forefront since uh, Melissa Bishop, as her huge performance at World Champs last year. Uh, recently, he stepped down uh, from a spot as Windsor's track coach. What's you know, in your opinion, what makes him really a special coach, and what makes him so effective at what he does? Well, first off, he's been knowledgeable about the sport like he's been around for a really long time and then he's just really patient and easy to work with so he's always willing to like work th- work with you and like adjust things to to make you feel most comfortable and then i just love that he's always like down to tra- travel wherever to meet so like this past summer almond and i went to uh europe and raced a couple meets there and we got to meet up with uh bish and him in switzerland so that was a really cool experience you know, that's what, one thing I kind of want to know about as well. I mean, since Melissa Bishop, uh, since she got that, that bling at, in Beijing this past summer, what, has, has that kind of changed the attitude at all around the Windsor, uh, you know, training area and stuff? You know, does it bring a, a new sort of confidence to, uh, to the building? Definitely, yeah, it's sweet. And it's, it's really cool training, like, alongside uh, a silver medalist at Worlds and obviously a Canadian record holder. It just makes it, like... If she can do it, like, we can do it too, you know? And especially, like, if we have Dennis's uh, coaching and guidance with us and knowing that he helped her do that, it's uh, it's awesome having him as a coach and her around as well. For sure. You know, going back to this weekend, it was it was a huge overall team win for Windsor uh, with all the different parts of the team really contributing. Uh, what is the overall atmosphere of the team like? You know, do the do the sprinters hang out with the mid-distance guys and, you know, do the jumpers? You know, like, ha- how do you all mesh together? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're all we're all really good friends. Like, distance runners are friends with, like, the shot putters. Um, sprinters are friends with, like, the jumpers. We're all just really tight. And uh, obviously we spend a lot of time with, like, our event groups, but we're still all very close uh, aside from that. Um and then Dennis always said one thing. He always said, team spirit can give you at least 10 points. So, like, going into big meets, we always have that mentality. Mm-hmm. And, like, I can honestly say, like, our team, uh, hearing our team at 50 meters to go during that four by like, that really, really helped. And I think that, like, gave us some points there because I really wanted it because of them. You know, in your individual events, it seems to be the story. It seemed to be the story of two guys who have had phenomenal seasons, both yourself and Toronto's Sasha Smart. Uh, you ended up taking the 600 while he got the 1,000. Would you say that uh, you guys have almost a traditional sort of rivalry? And how much does having guys like him elevate the performance of middle distance running in the CIS? 
Oh, for sure. Like, Sasha had an unreal season, and really excited to race in Modoras. Uh, it's, like, always nice to have someone like him in a race because, like, you always have to be on your toes, and you always know, like, the race is going to be fast or it's going to be close. So I really like that aspect of it. For sure. So you raced him in the 600 and the 1,000. You know, equaling that out, you guys are probably going to race in the 800. Who do you think is going to take it at this point? <laughs> Honestly, it's anyone's game. Uh, we're we're both really close. I think we're both pretty similar runners too, and we have similar builds. So uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun summer for sure. Uh, you've you've showed some really great range this past season, running uh, you know in the four by four, but also in the six, the eight, the one thousand, uh, and you even put down a four hundred one mile in Akron. Where do you feel that you have the most untapped potential? You know, do you feel like you need to work more to get a speedier foreign, or do you feel like maybe more of an aerobic base uh, is needed for you know would help with your fifteen and uh, mile? I think uh, I definitely have more untapped potential on the fifteen hundred. Like I can run a decent ten uh, k in cross country, and then I have fairly good speed on the track. So I think uh, fifteen hundred is a good max or a good uh, mesh of both of those. You know, it, oftentimes when people talk about cross-country, they talk about how every course is different. Maybe to a lesser degree, uh, indoors is much the same sort of way. Every indoor track seems to have its little idiosyncrasies that sets it apart from the others, uh, you know, like the angle of the banking, the dryness of the air. What would you say your favorite track to compete, compete on is, and uh, and perhaps why? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, although I didn't race the best on it last year, I love the atmosphere at the Armory track in New York. Uh, it was super energetic there, and they have music playing during the races, so it seems to get everyone going, and everyone feeds off the crowd there, too. Mm-hmm. And it also seemed like uh, everyone was sort of a track fan there, so they knew like a good amount of knowledge about the event. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have another year of eligibility left. Do you plan on, on taking it? Yeah, I do have one more year of eligibility left, and uh, I'm definitely taking it, so I'm su- super excited to come back for one more year. Okay, so you mentioned a little bit earlier, but the summer season uh, promises to be a fairly eventful one uh, with, you know, kind of a bunch of things probably on the back of your mind uh, as far as, you know, big places that you want to go. What are the tentative plans for the spring-summer outdoor season? Uh, tentative plans for the outdoor season are uh, we're going to start on April 9th. We're going to start uh, a three-week training camp in Flagstaff. So uh, Alex Norman went last year and then I know Melissa and Dennis have gone a few times, so this year I'm going to go, and thankfully I got like uh, my exam schedule worked around that. And then uh, after that, we're going to do a few meets in the States, I think. I'm not sure where yet, but we're going to do that, and then uh, hopefully do the NTL series this year again, so stay in Canada for a couple fast races. And then my biggest focus is just uh, staying healthy and then being ready for nationals this year. Hopefully I have a good one there. He has a couple of CIS gold medals to his name. He is Corey Belmore. He runs for the University of Windsor. Uh, Thanks a lot for for being on the show this week, Corey. No problem. Thanks a lot for having me. Jeff Costin, our in-house run pundit, not only is he a fairly successful runner himself, but he also keeps his eyes open, ear to the ground, and a bunch of other really great cliches in the Canadian running scene. And he joins us right now from his Toronto apartment. Uh, Welcome back to the show, Jeff. Michael, how's it going? Not too bad. Not too bad. So, uh, More of a row house than an apartment. But <laughs> well, hey, we don't like to uh, to s- split hairs here on this show. 
So in the it was in your neck of the woods, the CIS championships this past weekend. So I think we should probably uh, we should probably start there. It was one heck of a meet. Um, you know what? I have to ask because in the middle distance, I mean, you had Smart versus Belmore. That was kind of like the big storyline. Uh, Smart ended up taking Sasha Smart of the University of Toronto ended up taking the one thousand. Belmore ended up taking the six hundred. You know. It was really back and forth, and it was some really, really good, almost like a rivalry going on. Do you think it's the best CIS rivalry, perhaps, ever? You you could definitely say that. My, um, my perspective's obviously slanted towards the past few years, so it definitely looks uh, like it could be that way to me. But um, as someone coached by... Steve Boyd, I know all the best things in Canadian running happened in the 80s, but within uh, within my memory, I would say it's one of the better ones. And the uh, the great thing about athletes like that is that uh, they're so valuable to their teams because they can both participate in the relays as well with the 4x4 and 4x8. So they were really going back and forth all over the map. Um, and yeah, I think there, there are more parallels between them than uh, Gaulish and Stafford or something because like they um you know they they're actually the same year and progressed at similar rates. I think uh Belmore typically has like excels a little more at the longer stuff, which is why it surprised me a little bit that he got the uh six hundred win and Smart was able to get the one thousand. But yeah, they uh both seem pretty evenly matched and I'm sure we'll have good uh good outdoor seasons as well. The, the like an, another rivalry that we could come up with similar in the past few years would be a Proudfoot of uh, Guelph and CPT of Laval last year. Although, and I think they would have really clashed in the uh, fifteen hundred, and, and it was great between them because uh, they also clashed in cross country. They were both had they both had really solid range, but obviously, uh, or CPT didn't end up running the fifteen hundred at CI, so that was too bad. But. That's uh, that's the closest parallel that I can think of in recent years. So you know, this seems like a like a really good segue into our into our next question, uh, because I mean, okay, so you've got Laval and you've got Chuck BT, and uh, I mean that fifteen hundred performance this year um, was pretty fantastic as well. But you also have Toronto with Sasha Smart uh, taking a look at the women's side. You've mentioned Stafford. You've mentioned Gaulish. Uh, looking at Windsor, you have Belmore. You have Ullman. You have MacArthur, you have a bunch of really good guys, but you can't forget Guelph, and I don't even think we have to name names in Guelph. I mean, like, they're they're huge, and Victoria out of the West, and I'm sure there's probably two or three more schools out there as well. If you're a mid-D guy, at this point, where do you go in the CIS for the best training? I, th- I think the best thing you can say to anyone considering what school they want to go to is there's no shoe that fits everyone, so it really depends on what you value obviously um Guelph has the best track record I think for mid distance or long distance out of the bunch but uh Vic is closing in very nicely um beating Guelph on the men's side in cross country this past year and consistently putting up a very good uh group of mid distance runners and they definitely have the climate advantage for anyone who's either from out west or willing to go out west um in Windsor, just as an overall track program, especially on the men's side, have been extremely consistent for as long as 
I can remember um, they won the men's side again this year, and it's uh, not surprising to see them continuing to succeed. So it really depends what it comes down to. Check out the university, the academic program, and get to know the coaches a little bit. But I don't think as far as um, have it, having positive stories of athletes who have developed well, you can go wrong with any of those schools. So I was able to make it to, to the CIS championships for for the Saturday, um, you know, session, and there was the the women's fifteen hundred, and I got to watch Gabrielle Stafford, and it was almost it was almost effortless watching her. I mean, you could tell she was you know she kept herself in check pretty much through through the whole thing, and then just exploded on that last lap, did what she needed to do. Uh, looked fairly effortless, like I said. She also went sub nine in the three thousand this winter. I think a lot of people are wondering how would she stack up in D one NCAA? Would she be able to take home the gold medal and maybe the fifteen hundred, the three, um, and you know maybe maybe the thousand? Yeah, I think I think there's no reason that she wouldn't be a contender. That uh, that three thousand she ran, I think, would have been second in the NCAA and her fifteen hundred times for the past few years have uh have been very competitive and like you mentioned like she obviously knows how to kick in a championship setting um she definitely have a different quality of competition down south as you saw her and uh ali ostrander in that 3000 meters really pushed each other and it was impressive but that uh that 3000 she ran i think probably raised the bar for women running at least in the cis this year and raised some eyebrows south of the border. I know uh, Let's Run was pretty impressed with it, reading up on the Brojos the day after. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I think she would definitely be competitive for medals down there. One more thing before we uh, me, before we move on from the CIS Indoor Championships. Uh, you know, there's a lot of really, really great kicks. I mean, the 4x8, the 4x4 was also pretty impressive as well. Uh, you know, what was the kick of the meet for you? Yeah, you, you can't go wrong with either of those. Um, I think the men's 4x8 was the one that stood out for me, and it was just uh, really impressive seeing uh, Corey Belmore how not only how well he performed throughout that uh that meet but how uh how timely it was with uh like you know beating victoria i think for the third year in a row by what could be a rounding error and looking like they weren't going to be able to do it and i'm sure being uh being tired from running the 10,000 not long before but just uh mustering whatever he needed to get that sliver of a win that was yeah, just the last, uh, just coming around that last corner, it looked very impressive, kind of seeing them both tie up and seeing him muscle through ahead. So taking a look uh, south of the border, uh, one huge highlight for me this past weekend was uh, watching friend of the show and uh, pretty much friend of anyone who's ever talked to the guy <laughs> before, uh, Justin Knight. Uh, we're all wondering, you know, he came third in the 3000. Could he possibly qualify for Rio and, you know, what event would be his best shot, do you think? Yeah, like you mentioned, I think the 3,000 would hypothetically be a nice sweet spot for him, but obviously it's not an Olympic event. So I think the uh, 5K is probably his best shot. Ultimately, uh, both the 5K and 1,500 will be pretty crowded on the Canadian side. I think as far as, you know, being in the top three, the way championship races tend to play out, 
if it's like if it's a slow 1500 i'm not sure i think he would have a harder time out kicking some of those really fast eight type 15 guys are really experienced championship racers um that would be in there on the canadian side to get into the top three whereas within the context of a 5k his uh even if it's a slow 5k his mid d gear is pretty impressive so i don't think he'd have any trouble finishing top three there and in terms of hitting the uh canadian standard proportionally for the distance involved he's pretty close to both of them but i think he wants to be a 5,000 runner i think it's where his long-term potential seems to lie and chris fox his coach seems to be on the same page with the way they've been directing him and uh yeah obviously would be great to see as a fan of canadian running if he made the team this year and it, but it seems either way like they're uh, really guiding him with an eye on long-term development and if it's not rio he's certainly not going anywhere so anytime soon so you you kind of mentioned it in that but uh i mean like i've had various conversations with athletes uh who have thought about maybe you know switching up their switching up their their distances and stuff because there's a lot of really really crowded events uh one thing i want to know from you what do you think the highest contested contested distance in canadian running uh is out there for rio i mean like the women's 1500 is looking fairly crowded as you mentioned uh the men's 1500 also looking you know like it's good it's going to be pretty a pretty full field you know what what do you think the most crowded field is yeah i think the women's 1500 definitely has to be mentioned in that conversation uh sheila reed and nicole fuente i think is already hit um they already hit standard within the window from late last summer so um as long as they're in the top three they should be fine which there's no other no easy task with runners like uh kate van buskirk and uh Sasha Gallish and Gabriella Stafford running well enough that she probably belongs in that conversation. Um, I think Fiona Benson will probably be in the 800, but she has enough of um, an ability at the 1500 that I think she would be competitive as well. So definitely that's a strong event for Canadian women. I think on the men's side, the steeplechase is one to look out for as it has been pretty consistently for the last few years with uh, Taylor Milne, Chris Winter, Alex Janae, and Matt Hughes. You have four people who I think at some point in their career have all run faster than the current standard and um, all seem to be in the prime of their career. So there's, uh, you know, obviously there's going to be an odd man out of out of those guys and um, three of them are Speed River affiliated. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out but um that'll definitely be a competitive one to see at nationals as well as i wouldn't be surprised to see four guys going in with the standard to begin with speaking of uh of qualifying for rio uh the spring's going to be huge for our marathon runners um i know that there are some canadian runners who are going to rotterdam some who are going to london both hoping to qualify when it comes down to it what what do you think is better to have the faster course, which I would argue probably Rotterdam is the faster course, or to have that faster field on your side, which of course London spends a bajillion dollars to fill out an amazing field every single year. Yeah, it, I I think definitely having a fast field for your, for 
your own ability is important. However, you know, like if you're one of the top Canadian guys, it, it it's not going to make much difference to you if the race is one in 204 versus 206 or something like that. So I think from the top end, it's not too relevant. But London, I think, um, also has like a very strong um, advantage in the environment that it's like one of the few really big city marathons and the fact that it's traditionally one of the most competitive, if not the most competitive in the world, that it definitely... I think that seems to push people along every year. Um, obviously, you can't go wrong on a fast course like Rotterdam either, and there have been a lot of success stories there. Um, but it really depends what your needs are as an athlete. Obviously, if you're kind of one of those uh, elite runners that's not necessarily going to be with the leaders, as is the case with a lot of top Canadians, you want to do your homework and make sure that there's going to err hope that there's going to be good people within within your range to run with because that makes a big difference. So I'm sure that's something that people will be looking out for as they make their decisions. So something that that kind of bothers me because I'm a fan of of both these ladies and, you know, potentially we could have uh, Dana Podorsky be be thrown into this mix as well too. I don't know what her race schedule is looking like. But right now we have Rachel Hanna and Leslie Sexton who are both grossly under the IAAF Olympic standard, uh, 10 plus minutes to be exact, but still not under that AC marathon standard, which means they won't get to go to Rio. The faster the two won't get to go to Rio. Should one of them be allowed to go? I mean, they're so far under that IAAF Olympic standard, but still not hitting what I think is a fairly lofty AC standard. Yeah. And, uh, Athletics Canada tends to have fairly lofty standards, which um, obviously as an athlete you'd like to see um, either some more some standards that are closer to the IAAF mark or standards that there may be a little more uh, room for discretionary calls on athletes like that where there probably isn't going to be a full team sent otherwise. Um, I, I think as far as appealing to the existing criteria, it's hard to make a case at this point, but it, it, you know, it's important that the, uh, the community supports athletes like that and where, uh, when possible sends a message that we would definitely um, support having them compete at international races and that it would be very beneficial to their own careers and to just to the, broader elite and sub-elite running culture in Canada to see that our uh, governing bodies make uh, taking steps to help our top athletes like that. Uh, from one very, very uh, old and, and historic race to, uh, to another, the uh, Highway to McDonald's Challenge is happening in Kingston, I believe, this very weekend. Uh, the current record is, uh, for those who don't know, it's, it's four kilometers. You're the Kingston guy. Correct me if I'm wrong here. It's four kilometers to the local McDonald's. You put down a Big Mac meal, and then you run another four kilometers to the finish line. If you puke, there's a penalty. Um, my question to you is 29.32. That's the current record, uh, which is, you know, it's fairly impressive. But if we had real pros training on this uh, and that sort of stuff, like what could a Mohamed or a Cam Levins run this race in? 
It's tough to tell what uh, either of those guys' uh, burger and fries eating ability is like. I wouldn't necessarily put a ton of confidence on it, but I definitely think there's room for that record to go down substantially if it um, if the race gets um, a little more pickup, kind of the way we've seen with the beer mile increase in popularity that the world record's gone down a lot over the past couple of years. I think just, um, I, I was actually, I was talking to some Queens people before and was trying to figure out what the uh, eating splits are like. And we were pretty confident that the fastest people are doing it well under three minutes. So if you just consider that fast people, like three minute kilometers is a 28 minute um, 8K. And uh, as on the one hand, you're doing it on a very full stomach on the way back, but you also do get a few minutes recovery, which has more impact than in say a beer mile when you're only stopping for you know seven to ten seconds or whatever so i think it is possible that you know even for people at the uh you know kind of sub elite high cis level to run under three minute k's on the way there and um you know if somebody if there's somebody that's a good runner and can get a really fast eating split to uh you know rip back with a couple minutes cushion on the way back that you could definitely still um, take a big, a substantial dent out of the existing record. I think that I think there's um, some uh, doping in that sport as well, though, with uh, people getting into the uh, gravel use. I don't know if anyone's really <laughs> transparent about it, but it's uh, it's definitely something that should be tested for. Hey, hey! You know what? Those those guys have had um, nausea problems since they were little kids. <laughs> I don't know why you're picking on them. Take it. Take a look at distance uh, runners around the world. <coughs> Who would you say would probably have the best shot of taking down uh, David Cashin's re- record? Oh boy, that's that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I, I saw like this weird little documentary on Will Lear's uh, university days, and I feel I feel like he uh, has his fair share of burgers and that type of thing. And um, yeah, I don't know. I have a feeling that he's he is the right type of grinder mentality that he would be really good at it. But that's kind of me going off on a whim. I um, it's one of those things that you don't know until you try it. There are some people I remember in the Queens community that ate lots of fast food that were horrendous at it and uh some people that you know you wouldn't expect to be good that ended up doing support like i don't think cash and hardly eats any of that stuff and just has a knack for it somehow okay so the uh canadian world half team uh, half marathon team is a pretty solid lineup this year of, uh, of watson marchand cool set lord batternick and uh and career how do they stack up in this sort of race, you know, where they're going to see, you know, like your Mofaras and uh, just a ton of really, really great distance runners? I mean, considering Lord and Watson also have bigger fish to fry a little about a month later, how, how do you think the Canadians are going to stack up in this race? I, I think they'll have a solid team out there, um, you know, with Quilsad uh, and Marchand on the women's side. You've got some pretty solid... Uh, international level runners who seem to be peaking for this meet so it'll be interesting to see 
uh, what they're able to put into it. And it's always a bit of a wild card with runners that are uh, building up for a marathon and how well they'll do for a half. Sometimes the training kind of um, hits them harder and they don't necessarily get the results you think they're capable of. But there have been a lot of positive stories of runners running good half marathons on the way to a marathon. I think uh, Watson's half PB ran 103 low at New York one year, and I think that was just uh, not too far out from Boston. So there's, um, you know, it, it partly depends how much of a compromise these guys are making in their training to, you know, take a light week leading into it. But I think um, there's no reason to think they can't hit a pretty fast one. Uh, World Indoors next weekend, Portland. Some insight on that. How do you think uh, our Canadians are going to do there? Um, I, I think Canada should have a good team. Like, There's a very impressive list. Some of the uh, women that we mentioned for the mid-distance events, like Sheila Reed and Nicole Fuentes, Gabriela Stafford, will all be good. On the men's side, we have uh, Cam Levins and Mohamed Ahmed both competing in the 3000 and they should uh they sh- I, that'll be interesting to see how they do against each other um because typically i would think uh cam has the edge in that event but mo's definitely seeming to run pretty well since he joined that uh nike group out in portland um the as far as the distance events i think those are the main uh Canadians will see doing well. Jessica O'Connell also in the three thousand is is um has every reason to be competitive and uh, yeah it'll it'll be a strong event with good representation from Canadian athletes. So last spring was uh, was pretty crazy. I mean, we saw some Canadian records go down. A lot of Canadian records go down uh, for a season. I want to know bold predictions for for the spring. You know what's uh, what can we expect to see? We so we sometimes see less records in Olympic years because people aren't necessarily chasing them as aggressively and are more after standards. But I think we'll see. Um, we'll see some good results. For my bold prediction, I'm thinking that uh, in the spring it'll be at Peyton Jordan and uh, Justin Knight will go there and hit the Olympic A standard in the 5K. He ran really well there last year out of the slower heat, and I would assume if he goes back, he'll uh, get in the fast section in. I think if a collegiate athlete like him is going to hit that standard, that would be the place to do it. Some final thoughts on winter? Um, I hope it's over. We kind of dodged a bullet this year, and the days are longer. Trails are starting to open up in everybody's looking forward to outdoor season both on the roads and the track he's our in-house run pundit jeff costin uh thanks a lot for taking the time to be on the show yeah thanks again for having me well that wraps up another edition of the terminal mile big thanks to our guests Corey belmore and jeff costin and to tracky for their ongoing support be sure to find us online on twitter at the terminal mile on itunes stitcher tune in as well as tracky.ca. Best of luck to our athletes heading to Portland to compete at Worlds. Thanks again for listening. This has been the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. Mm-hmm.